everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Eric Klein and Tony Montalbano with TLC Homebuyers, and they flew in from Raleigh, North Carolina, to talk about how they did $1.2 million in wholesale fees in just nine months. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer, and every month we help hundreds of people buy more houses at deeper margins. If you want more info on that, DM me the word sales on Instagram, and I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. And the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, I assure you, you will become one. And this show is brought to you by our company, Investor Lift. So get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in t- disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag your friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Eric and Tony to answer. You ready? Let's go, ready. baby. All right, cool. So... First question is, what got you guys into real estate? Well, for me, it was Eric. Um, <laughs> but I'll let Eric answer this. Um, honestly, the model was was brought to me by someone else that was in it, and uh, it was a very it's a very similar business model to what I had did for a decade. Mm-hmm. I used to get people out of distressed timeshares, so it was lead generation, phone sales, fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And um, I started that company from scratch, built it to, we're doing over right around 34 million in gross sales um, at the peak. And uh, uh, my arena was playing in the call center. Mm -hmm. That's what I oversaw. And when uh, that, that journey came to an end, this, this idea was brought to me. And why did that journey come to an end? That's a great question, Steve. So, uh, I was, me and my two partners were getting ready to sell 51% of that business mm-hmm. for 54 million. Wow. Yes. Life-changing. Uh, yeah, it was very life-changing. Um, it was it was literally the American dream. Yeah. Um, especially from where I come from. Um, it was it was crazy to even be sitting at the tables I was sitting at. And um, the private equity firm that was acquiring us, uh, they had done all their due diligence. We had a closing date, and two of the largest timeshare developers in the world uh, ended up suing our companies and us personally. Um, the private equity firm, uh, when the first lawsuit lawsuit came through, said that they would still go through with the deal. And then um, I was flying home to Chicago for uh, for Christmas. And when the plane got to the point where your phone can get service again, my phone was just blowing up emails, text messages. And, uh, it was the broker that was doing the deal for us. He's like, you guys got another lawsuit. And uh, it was a carbon copy lawsuit. Frivolous. There was no merit, but we still had to fight it. Right. And, um, they, uh, our insurance for the company at the time was refusing to, to cover the lawsuit. So long story short is at the end, um, we made the conscious decision. Uh, I remember that our attorney bill for the last 30 days was, was uh, $500,000 for 30 days. And um, my wife and I uh, sat, talked, distressed. It was two and a half year battle. And, um, my wife and I sat and talked and we were like, we need, we need to get our life back. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause it was eating up. It was my, my kids were, 
I have, I have two kids and it was, you know, it was, it was destroying our family and they, that's what they were trying to do. Um, it was a, it was David versus Goliath. It was the big guys taking the little guys out. Mm -hmm. So we ended up settling for millions of dollars and, uh, took about a year off trying to figure out what I was going to do. Why were they suing you? Uh, tortious interference on their contracts. Cause, uh, we were really, really good at what we did. We were the largest timeshare exit company in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were, we got really good at getting people out of timeshares. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, 35% of our business model was getting people out of timeshares that were already paid off. So that was a simple, just transferring of the, the, the ownership. And then 65% of our business model was getting people out of timeshares that still had pay debt attached to it. Mm -hmm. And with a timeshare, you can't go to a bank and get a loan. So it's all in, in-house finance paper. They hold the paper. Seller carry. Yes. And if you know anything about timeshares, the interest rates on those, those notes are anywhere from 15 to 21.9%. Mm -hmm. So our model a lot of those sellers or those timeshare owners, uh, they made the conscious decision to default on that paper. So when we started disrupting that, that industry and, yeah. and we made a massive wave, um, that, you know, we were messing with wall street at that point. Right. Cause they would securitize that paper on the back end. Yeah. And, uh, we were signing up, at the at the peak of what we were doing, we were we were signing up anywhere from six hundred to six hundred and fifty timeshare owners a month. So you were bringing people in yeah. and either buying their paid off, whatever, and or helping people exit an agreement they were already in. Yeah. So we never bought a timeshare. Okay. What they did is they paid us for our services mm -hmm. to get them out of their timeshare that they already paid off whether it was paid off or they still owed that paper to the developer. Um, but what we were doing is really getting them out of the perpetual contract mm -hmm. that the time, the, the timeshare contract, I say it, it's the worst contract on planet earth. Yeah. So that's so, what I did. And so did you, is that business still up and running? Did the you model. Shut, shut it down. So the, we ended up file, filing a chapter 11. Thank so, you. So nobody, no other developers, the, the timeshare industry was on an attack to put companies like us out. Well, understandably. Rightfully so. Yes. <laughs> well, not rightfully, but understandably. Uh, understandably. Yes. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Not rightfully so. Yeah. Um, okay. So that was how long ago? We ended up settling everything, Steve, uh, probably around two and a half, three years ago. Okay. And then did you walk away with anything or... So, I mean, me and my wife walked away financially okay. Yeah. Um, we had to settle for millions of dollars. Right. But, uh, I mean, we ran that business at the peak. Um, we were doing uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 to 34 million in gross sales. And there was, there was three partners and we ran it at about a, for the longest time, we ran it at a 50% margin for, for net profit to mm -hmm. us. And then towards the end, um, unfortunately, the larger we scaled, the harder we were working to make less money. Which and is the classic story of scaling. Yeah, yeah. So towards the end, we were at about a 35 to almost 40% profit margin, net profit for us. Got it. Okay, so yeah. you walked away, shut it down, or settled, but you're... 
I'm injuncted from the industry. I'm not allowed back in it. Got it. Okay. So then someone approaches and says, Hey, there's another way to make money in real estate. Yeah. This is a friend or it's somebody that's been in the industry for, they had been in the industry for probably seven, eight years at that time. Got it. And they're like, Eric, you'd be a, they're like, Eric, you'd kill this industry. Got it. And when did, so they told you about it. How long from when they told you about it until like you were like taking action? I probably sat on the idea for almost a year. A year? Yeah. Okay. Why is that? Um, one, I, I don't know if I necessarily believed it. Mm-hmm. Full transparency. Well, um, and that's not unusual. I think a lot yeah. of people when we first get into this, like, because we watch it on infomercials when we were like right. 20 or 18. Yeah. We're like, yeah, and this when is er- trash. Yeah. <laughs> when Eric was, you know, got into it on his own, he was he was making calls and he was calling me every week telling me about the industry <laughs> and telling me how he was locking up these deals at 50 cents on the dollar for a yeah. house over the phone. I was like, this doesn't sound right. Like, this <laughs> totally illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Something's up. Yeah. You know, and he's trying to get me into it. I was like, I don't know. I, don't, I need to learn more about it. <laughs> yeah. So a year you sat on the sidelines. Yeah. So what'd you do in that time frame? Were you doing research or like, what were you doing? I, for, it was actually 14 months. I started another company um, it was in the structured settlement space mm-hmm. where people uh, settle outside of court. They get a um, settlement. They structure it over a period of time where they get payments, whether it's the rest of their life or it's like an annuity. Yes, there you go. Exactly. And so what, uh, again, the model got brought to my attention. Um, it was lead generation phone sales. And so I did that for 14 months. It was profitable, but I was miserable doing what I was doing. Why is I that? It, it was uh, the, the client base, uh, the consumer that you had to deal with um, was a handful. Mm-hmm. In order to get a deal to a finish line, um, there was a lot of moving parts. Was it hand-holding or are they just difficult clientele? Difficult clientele and like super, super duper hand-holding. Got it. To a point where it, it wasn't anything I was willing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I did that for 14 months. Um, ended up wait, literally waking up at like three o'clock in the morning, dead from a dead sleep. I nudged my wife and I said, we're shutting this office down. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, are you sure? And I was like, no, I'm real sure. Yeah. And, uh, went in, told the, I think we had a team of like six, seven at the time. I said, Hey, sorry, this isn't for me. Um, I appreciate everyone's hard work after today. The, the office is closed. And when I shut that door, I had made the decision to do this. So I imagine that was probably a difficult conversation. I mean, did you go into like, here are the keys if you guys want to run it? Or like, guys, this is done. I am out. It was super easy for me to say it, Steve. Okay. <laughs> I was so over it. You were that burnt out. I was that burnt out. I, I, had a, I had a team of like six or seven and walking into an office and knowing you're the one that didn't want to be there mm-hmm. and everyone else was enjoying it, it, I just wasn't in a good spot. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't do the Jerry Maguire thing, like who's coming with me? It was no. just... <laughs> It was okay. Done. <laughs> All right. So you shut that down. Yeah. And now you're going to start wholesaling. Yep. How did you start? Hired five VAs from one company <laughs> and like five from another. So right out the gates, I had 10, had no clue what I was doing, um, had way more leads coming in than I could ever handle. Mm-hmm. And literally just, I wrote a script out and um, I took the almost, well, I took the script from the last company I had. Mm-hmm. And I tweaked it to where it fit this model. Yeah. And um, the f- 
the, my buddies that were doing this, I was, we were paying them 35% to dispo a deal for us because I just wanted to focus solely on locking them up. One, to understand the, the sales process mm -hmm. and make sure it was something that I could personally scale uh, from a sales point of view. And um, they had me in a couple markets that, uh, I mean, the first 60 days, I was locking deals up in Toledo. I think within the first like 30, 30 days, I locked like 13 deals up in Toledo, Ohio, and they couldn't get rid of one of them for me. I've heard that sometimes about Ohio. <laughs> yeah. So I got two questions for you here then. Yeah. Uh, first question is when did you finally jump in with both feet? What year? Uh, it would have been January 4th of last year. January 4th of... Uh, no, 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 I take that back. I did it for three months on my own, Steve. So it would have been January, February, Mar March. I moved to Raleigh, got a lease on an office, and I was all in. So COVID. Yeah. So COVID starts, let's, get, let's start wholesaling. Yeah. All right, second question. Why did you feel qualified to write your own script? Not to say that you're unqualified, but I want to kind of dive into that. Yeah. Why did you feel like you were qualified to write a script? Because I, I understand a sales process. I, I know what needs to be done from hello to goodbye in order to convert a lead. But why do you feel that you, you understand it? What experience did you have beforehand? It would have been running a company at a large scale. I had 100 people on the phones that followed my sales process to scale a business to doing almost, you know, over $30 million a year. So I was, I, you know, to have a hundred people on the phone to buy into something that, that I created, mm -hmm. um, I felt I was, I was more than qualified Got to, it. to write a script. And then just a quick tangent here, cause I'm bringing this up. You're talking about, you got a chance to speak on stage, right? Yeah. About sales. Yes. So you want to talk about that just real quick? Of course, yeah. So um, Grant Cardone has had me uh, speak at two of his uh, 10x growth conferences. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one, I had no clue he was going to bring me up on stage. It was in Vegas. Crazy thing is, I was smoking a cigar the night before by myself, and I texted my wife. I said, at some point, Grant's going to ask me on stage. The next day, he did it. Yeah. Um, he, so that was a real quick one. And then uh, after he did that in Vegas, I went home, put it on my wall, my mirrors, saying 2000 and whatever, I was going to be speaking at Grant Cardone's next uh, growth conference. And um, like three months prior to that growth conference, it was the one he did at the Marlins Stadium with 35,000 people. Mm -hmm. uh, 90 days before it, his uh, Grant called me up and he's like, hey, I'm going to send my whole film crew out to your office. I want to do a five-minute skit or success story on you. We're going to play it on the big screen. And it was, I mean, it, literally, it was a dream come true. Sure. It was a dream come true. Is it because you were one of his elite? I mean, he's yeah. got some different tiered programs. Yeah. So I, um, I was under Grant's wing for probably three to four years. Yeah. Um, he would ask me to, to, to come down to his sales boot camps in Miami. I would speak to his audience there. So, okay. And that was the same time that you had the call center for the timeshare thing. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are obviously partnered up. You were doing deals in Ohio that weren't closing. Yeah, it was rough. Was that before or after you guys partnered up? Before. Okay. It, it was me trying to figure out whether or not I wanted to have my best friend leave San Diego, <laughs> which he was living a, a good life in San Diego and moving my wife and kids and mm. say, hey, let's go all in on this. It was me just saying, hey, give me a little bit of time 
to figure out whether or not this is something we can scale. So you wanted to test it first. Yeah. And what were you doing in San Diego? Yeah, so I was, uh, we grew up in Rockford, Illinois together. Uh, me and Eric have known each other for like 20 years. Um, I was a residential electrician in, uh, in Illinois. And then when the housing market crashed, I uh, got laid off. Um, they could lay you off if, even if you're in a union? I wasn't in the union. Oh. But you can get laid off in the union yeah, as well. Yeah, you get laid off. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, the company basically shut down after the crash. Got it. Um, so I, I moved to San Diego on a whim, just packed my truck and my dog and drove out to San Diego. Yeah, it must be uh, miserable in San Diego. <laughs> Literally had nothing to lose at that yeah, point. Right. I was... I was uh, I was ready for for a new start, so moved out to San Diego. This would have been 2009, and uh, couldn't get a job. I have a, a kind of a, a criminal background that wouldn't allow me to get hired anywhere. Uh, I had a lot of good interviews, but every time they would run a background check, I wouldn't hear back from anybody. Um, so I answered a, a Craigslist ad um, to build ten beach cruisers every morning for a hundred bucks cash at a bike shop that was just starting, um, right, right by the beach in Pacific beach. I think I might know that one actually. Yeah. So I used to uh, live in La Jolla. So did ahead. you? Yeah. yeah. Really? So, uh, so, uh, I, I applied for that job and got it and I worked for a guy, Scott, my, uh, my now business partner worked for him for about a, a year, year and a half. And then, um, you know, realized, you know, this is, this is a great business and I need to kind of do it for myself. Uh, opened another shop over by San Diego State University and then kind of got lucky and the restaurant that was right next door bought my lease out after a year and then we had a chunk of like a big check you know so me and Scott decided to go to China get our own brand made it's called Freedom Cycle Company and we started importing um, beach cruisers and accessories and stuff and then uh, we warehoused them in San Diego. I was driving up and down the coast, you know, uh, wholesaling beach cruisers. It was great. Yeah. Um, and then the original shop I worked at for Scott, um, the lease was up. And he's like, hey, do you want to open a retail shop with me? And I was like, eh, this, this distribution thing is kind of fun. I kind of like being on the road and sales yeah. and all that. But, uh, but we decided to jump in together and, uh, and open a retail shop. And I think the first year we opened the, that shop, it was about 2,000 square feet, like five blocks from the beach. I think we sold uh, like 3,000 bikes that year that we opened that shop. Slanging and we were, them. Yeah, slanging them. We were importing about five to 6,000 bikes a year and selling all of them, like just turning and burning them. And that's when um, this would have been probably, you know, nine years ago. Um, that's when the, like kind of the money started rolling in. Cause mm -hmm. instead of spending, you know, these are cheap beach cruisers, you know, instead of spending $150 or, you know, at the time, $135 on, on these bikes from LA and trying to sell them at our shop for 250, you know, now we're making better quality ones ourselves, spending $70 on them and selling them for, you know, 400. Yeah. So the spreads were a lot bigger. Um, so, so that was, that's kind of where. Where I, what, I, what I've been doing the last 13 years. Um, I own, own a bike shop out there uh, in Import. Still own it? I still own it. Um, and the last, uh, you know, five years, it's kind of been on autopilot. Like, Got it. So you, know, you didn't shut it down. You're still, it's still running. It's still running. Yep. Okay. Still own it. Still doing well, especially during COVID. Crazy. So, 
Oh, I think everything, everything went up during COVID. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I had a line around the block for three months yeah. uh, in May of uh, 2020. When I started biking with my family, like yeah, my wife and kids, and every- I was like, man, like, why are these bikes so stupid expensive? Yeah, right? You and everybody else. Everyone started biking. <laughs> yeah. So we, we sold over a thousand bikes uh, in one month in May yeah. of 2020. So when Eric reached out to you then, you already had a good thing going. Yeah, and I have had a good thing going. I, I've been living kind of a nomadic life. Like, I've been down in Mexico a lot, traveling a lot. Um, so then what spoke to you when he asked you to, to jump in with him? Yeah, I mean, I've always believed in Eric. And, you know, we... So I've had one downfall in the bike business, and it was a, a about two or three years ago when bird scooters and stuff all hit the streets. Mm-hmm. And our rental fleet just went to zero. Like, we were renting 100 bikes a day, and then that went down to, like, one bike a day yeah um so it was like my first dip in bi- owning a business and i and i remember reaching out to eric and i was like man you know this this kind of honeymoon uh fantasy i've been living is, is is not solid like anything could happen in the market and i could lose everything tomorrow mm. i was like so if 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 you ever come up with an idea and we'll pitch ideas to each other yeah if we can ever figure out something to do together like let's do it so rockford illinois i don't know much about it Great area. No. No. Okay. So two, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Troubled. Uh, Two troubled youths. (laughs) Both have successful businesses by your own right. And then you guys are pitching ideas to each other on like, what are some other businesses we want to do? Right. So I think what's fascinating here, you mentioned that you're somewhat unemployable, right? So you want to talk about that. What caused you to be unemployable? Yeah, so in uh, 2005, um, me and Eric were best friends uh, back then as well. Um, We were living a reckless lifestyle. Um, A lot of drugs, a lot of drinking. Um, I got in a bar fight one night in 05. Um, I didn't start the bar fight, but I was in a fight. Um, uh, Knocked somebody out, um, went to jail. Uh, Two weeks later, that person died. Um, they, he was an off duty police officer, which I found out later. Certainly not helpful. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, I mean, everybody was being reckless that night. Um, I was trying to walk away from a situation and, uh, the other person wasn't. So, um, that happened. Uh, they, I was originally was charged with, uh, a bat battery charge. Um, once he died, that I got charged with uh, manslaughter and then first-degree murder. Um, so for the next year and a half, um, I faced a trial, and I was found not guilty on all charges. So right after that is when, I mean, during that time, I knew I had to change something. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was going down the wrong path. Um, so... You know, the minute I got off of probation and all that, I just, uh, that's kind of when, you know, the housing market crashed and everything just kind of happened all at once. And I just needed a new beginning. So I packed up and, I mean, it wasn't even a question. Like, But the, you weren't convicted of anything. No. So you were, what's the word? I was oh. free and clear. Yeah. yeah. I was uh, acquitted on all charges. Right, acquitted on all charges, but it still came back to haunt you when they did a background search. Sure. Yeah. Because you can still see people's arrest record. Got it. So it's, it even hurts me f- to this day for, uh, I mean, 
like signing a commercial lease or like it, you know and back then it would hurt me for signing a lease just to rent an apartment right like they would run a back a, a criminal background check and see you know three felony arrests you Got know with, you know especially when it was that soon after and then you had your own situation with rockford well, yeah, yeah. I was, we can blame Rockford yeah, for all it, it was Rockford, man. <laughs> I, I was addicted. I was a I was a heavy, heavy drug user. Yeah. Yeah. Crack crack cocaine brought me to my knees. Yeah. So did that lead to any repercussions immediately that caused you to change your 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 mindset? Or is it an intervention in the family? No, it was the it was actually the what what helped me change Steve was it was it was life or death. It was that bad for me. And it was the first time in my life where I was like, Eric, you need to do this for you and nobody else. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing it to keep a job because I I didn't have one. I wasn't doing it to get my family to love me because they disowned me. Yeah. Um, So it was was just an eight-day... Honestly, it was an eight-day bender where I faced death right in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it was Eric, either you go this path or this path. And I, I chose to. So you had your own wake up call. It was, it was, it was just, it was you had a clarity. Awakening. Yeah. Okay. Literally. So there's this meme that goes around, right? And I don't want to be insensitive to the situation. Yeah. Right. But there's a meme that goes that says basically, you know, like every day a crack user wakes up and they find a way to get more crack. Of course. I don't know anything about that. No, I, <laughs> I hope you know. <laughs> Can you elaborate? Like, is that something that's a. Like, is there something that drives you? Obviously, there's an addiction, but is yeah. there, like, what is it that allows you to do it? Because I can't, like, if I were to wake up tomorrow, like, say, hey, you know, I need to go get this. Like, I don't know where to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what so, I have to hustle to do. So it's not, you are not physically addicted to it, like some drugs. You are mentally. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all mental. Like, you don't go through withdrawals trying to get off of the drugs I was doing. It's all mental. And, um, I mean, I, I still feel today I have some, some, uh, I don't know if I would call them side effects or whatever from like how paranoid I used to get and stuff like that. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was, it was six plus years of heavy, heavy drug use. So I started using drugs at 13. So there wasn't something that an, uh, an event like Tony went through where you're not employable. Oh, I was blackballed. I was in the. I was a union carpenter. I was blackballed from every company. Okay, so there's a reputation. So yeah, there's my no conviction. Was so smoked. <laughs> got it. So, and I bring this up because it's a mixed blessing, right? Yeah. Like, because either you died or you became an entrepreneur, successful business owners. Yeah. Right. So again, I, I like to bring this message across to everyone that's listening because there are options out there. There are a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So. You went through Toledo, locked a bunch of contracts, yeah. and fell on your face. Yeah, hard. And then what happened next? Uh, went into a, a different market. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, guys, this, this market. Uh, they, I feel like they were using me as a guinea pig mm-hmm. to get themselves into other markets. And Because uh, I looked at Toledo. It's a very fascinating market. But anyway, continue. Yeah. Um, you can ask Tony. He was trying to dispo deals there, too. <laughs> Uh, but, and then we ended up going into, I think like, uh, North Carolina and another market or two. And, uh, I honestly just started crushing it mm-hmm. like full transparency. It was, um, getting, it was just having quality conversations, making offers, 
Uh, I was I was leveraging my buddy, which I can give mad props to uh, Anthony. He um, he he was a big big part of helping helping like me just out personally in the beginning. Anthony uh, Casada. Casada. Yeah, yeah. So was he like your mentor to help you get your first deal? Um, I would say yeah, he was a mentor, man. He was any time I called, he was there to pick the phone up. As experienced as I was at running a different business model, um, it was a reality check. I, I forgot what it was like day one. Mm-hmm. I forgot the grind. I forgot the hustle. Um, I mean, I had a hundred. I literally had a hundred people on the phone from nine in the morning till two o'clock in the morning closing deals for me. And when I had to get back in the seat and put a headset on and learn how to, re- I didn't know anything about real estate. And I know we're not in real estate wholesaling or you know whatever people must say about it, but I didn't know how to run a comp. I didn't know how to uh, do a rehab cost. Like I was clueless. Mm-hmm. Every time I picked, picked the phone up, called Anthony, he, I mean, five, 10, 15 times a day, he answered. And uh, so I, I owe a, a ton to that guy. And um, just started locking deals up. We were sending them to, to him to, to dispo for 35%. And he showed up in Raleigh, May. May 5th, I think, was my first, like, real day in Raleigh. That's when I moved into my apartment, a couple days before May 5th. Yeah. We were not profitable. When I say we, I was not profitable doing it by myself. Mm-hmm. Reckless, I was spending way too much money, buying way too many leads. I had way too many cold callers. Like, I had... Ch- well, you had 10 <laughs> on day one. For yeah. one person. <laughs> it was just too many. Um... I don't think we have 10. I mean, we have 14 <laughs> right now, but that 14 includes like multiple part-time. So like less than 10. Yeah, yeah. It was, I was, honestly, I was overwhelmed in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but he ended up getting to Raleigh and, um, a, a story we, we, we don't tell enough is we, we didn't know what each other's roles was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I was going to do acquisitions, but like, we didn't have a clue what Tony was like, what role. Yeah, I blindly moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> just like, yeah, we'll try it out. And actually the the plan was, I think like six months. I'm like, I'll come out here for six months and see if, you know, we can get something rolling. And, uh, and you know, I Eric was sending me recordings of him on the phone. And in my mind, I'm like, I'll get out there and pitch, you know. So I get out there and the first two days in the office, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. And I'm listening to Eric pitch for two days. And then the third day, I was like, I want to jump on the phones today. Um, and made my first call um, and closed my first call. Closed my first lead. First <laughs> call, first day. I swear to God. Yeah. I believe you. That usually ruins people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it ruined me because I didn't call make another call. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just I, said, this is easy. I'm a champion. Like, yeah. I'm going to make a million dollars tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was basically a mic drop. And I was like. I need to figure out how to dispo these yeah. things because we're giving up way too much money dispoing. But yeah. I was glad I got that first deal done. It was my first call. It makes for a great story. But yeah. I think it was very apparent my role was going to be in dispositions since so, uh, that's what we're And like. I think it's important here because I think one of the things that happens is a lot of people think, like, we have to have a perfect plan. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, we got to structure this out and everything else. And you guys just went and made a bloody mess. Yes. Bloody mess. <laughs> and you just made it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you're acquiring, now you're dispoing, like what were some other major challenges along the way? So there's a third person that isn't here Mm -hmm. and that's my wife. 
which is our third business partner, mm -hmm. which is literally the backbone to our company. Got it. She handles all the, her name is Shyla. Um, she handles all the transactions. She uh, oversees pretty much the whole company. She makes sure him and I uh, stay on track. Yeah. So she's not here today, but she's a major part of this business. Yeah. So some of the challenges honestly were all three of us just didn't know anything about real estate. Mm -hmm. And we were like, we were getting deals locked up, but then it was like, oh man, we need a titling company. And then Tony's like, oh, we need to be able to find buyers. And it was just all new to us. And w like when it, we started locking deals up, I'm not talking, I mean, it took us just a short period of time and we were locking up, not funding, but you know, right out of the gates, we were doing 10, 11, 12, 13 deals a month. Mm -hmm. And without knowing how to dispo or trend, do any transactions, like we were creating problems that we just had to figure out quick. But yeah. I think that was, I mean, looking back, it was such a blessing though, because the amount of deals Eric was locking up um, made me learn really fast how to dispo them. Yeah. Like I just, it, like the learning curve was like, we're creating problems. You got to solve super yeah. quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so one thing I want to touch on real quick, you were talking about um, how you had to jump on the phone. You were brand new and like starting a new business. Was that exciting for you? It was. So for, I'll, I'll say this, this, this industry, Steve, uh, when, when I went through what I went through, um, it was a major shot to him. Uh, I found out a lot about myself. Um, I was, uh, I, I, I came from absolutely nothing. And uh, between me and my wife, we were doing really, really well. Mm -hmm. And when the uh, faucet got shut off overnight, um, one, me and like my business is who I was. Your identity. I was, I was very well known in an industry. Um, I was, following Grant Cardone's coattail. Uh, his audience started knowing who I was. And the, the day the company shut down, I, like, I felt like I lost myself. Um, me and my wife were uh, in a place where we, were, I don't wanna say we were recklessly spending, but when you're making five, six, seven, eight million dollars a year, and a few years prior to that, like you didn't even, couldn't pay your cell phone bill, yeah. You got to be ready for that kind of money. And uh, I, I I look at it. So I went through about a year of depression and uh, I didn't Before know what, the money or after the money when my when my business shut down. Got it. Because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Like mm -hmm. I really didn't um, going from thinking you're going to sell and get fifty four million dollars. My wife and I were literally planning. We we're looking at lots out in Hawaii. We we're going to pull the kids out of school. Sell. I mean, we, we were spending the money before we had it because mm -hmm. we had a date. We, it, it was 60 days prior to our sale. It all happened. I mean, it was really, really real. It was really real. Yeah. I mean, we had a team around us. We had financial advisors setting up all the accounts. Um, so I went through like a year and a half, uh, a year, year and a half of just not knowing where I fit in in the world. Yeah. Um, the phone stopped ringing. Right. When you're on top like that, there's a lot of fake people around you. And um, I say that to, to say, I feel like the first time in a long time, this industry has has woken up that that fire 
that I had back in my old business. Yeah. And I haven't felt this in a long time. That was the ultimate gut punch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, but the reason I'm asking about the, you know, the, the excitement is I think that's the reason why, like we as serial entrepreneurs, we want to start new stuff. It's sad to say, but like when things are going well, we're bored. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. Right. Like we I should, can relate. we should be excited. We should be grateful. We should like, right. But like, it's boring yeah. when things are going well. Yeah. 100%. And so like either we screw things up, we self-sabotage or we go start a new business. So again, Again, like you guys are talking shop, right? Like, hey, you got a new business, let me know. You guys are bouncing ideas. This is the addiction we have. Yeah. Right? Is that we want to start a new business. So that's why I was asking, like, gotcha. when you're starting over again, like how exciting it was, because we have that problem. Like every time you get a new opportunity, like, well, that's, that's exciting. Like, <laughs> let's put this on pause. Yeah. Let's put this super profitable thing <laughs> yeah, on pause exactly. so we can go chase some other shiny objects. It object. was super exciting. Yeah. So, and I still feel that excitement today. So we talked about 1.2 million in fees in nine months and then you, i think you shared with me two million now in 11 months is yeah that, we're, we're over two million so for everyone listening right we talked about the inspirational part yeah let's talk about the technical part yeah if someone listening right now let's yeah. not call it two million let's just say half a million right like yeah. they want to build a business replicate your business right now yep what are the first three to five steps they need to take so because i live and die by closing deals and acquisitions. Uh, I, what, one thing that I've seen coming into the industry mm -hmm. that I believe the industry lacks as far as teaching the newcomer. And I know you have a solid sales training. So, but I'm going to say not everyone knows who Steve is mm -hmm. in this industry that's getting into it. So I think number one is you have to understand one, how to sell in a sales process that you can duplicate. Yeah. Um, not just wing it. And um, you need to learn how to have a quality conversation with somebody uh, to convert a lead to a, a deal. Like that's, that's one. Without being able to, to convert a lead to a deal, there is no business model. Yeah. So for me... I focused all, that's why I was okay paying you 35% to dispo a deal because mm -hmm. I wanted to focus solely on just sales. So anybody that's getting ready to start out, whether you're cold calling yourself, you got a little bit of money and you can hire a VA, have a sales process. It doesn't have to be perfect, but every time you get on the phone with somebody, you should, every, every consumer may be different, their situation may be different, but your sales process should be the same. Right. Yeah. And I think what helped us out too, I mean, obviously we come from different, you know, we're business owners, we're entrepreneurs. So we jumped into this, having that knowledge. We had a little bit of capital to throw into it too, which, you know, catapulted us very quickly. Um, but having, you know, Eric just handles acquisitions. So like having one person handling acquisitions, one person handling dispositions and one per person handling uh, TC work has was really beneficial for us because once Eric's got a deal locked up, he can forget about it and move on to the next deal he needs to lock up. And then once I assign a deal, I can forget about it and figure out the next deal I have to mm -hmm. assign. Like a lot of you know, having an assembly line, having yeah. an assembly line, yeah, and 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 different roles because we talk to a lot of people who and and maybe this is just how you have to start too, you know, um, but. There's a lot of people that, you know, jump into this, they lock up a deal and then they spend the next 
week trying to sell that deal and then what happens to your pipeline it just shuts yeah. off yeah and now you're playing catch up with it so that's that roller coaster we see yeah, for solopreneurs exactly yeah. exactly and then if you know when you do dispo that deal and you and it closes throw as much money as you can back into marketing yeah you know so get good at sales have a process not process but a kind of assembly line Structure, something yeah. for deals to move through so that you're not suffering the roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, what else? Stay, man, make sure your head's right. This is not easy. Mm -hmm. um, going back to me jumping back on the phones and putting a headset on, um, especially for acquisitions. Like, uh, I, I'd hate to say very few are cut out for this, but very few are cut out for this for an, for an extended period of time and doing it consistently. Yeah. Um, so I would say you need to work on what's up here mm -hmm. because, um, ultimately you, where you're at in your head space is going to be the results that you get. Are you a bit of a sadomasochist in that you enjoy cold calling? I hate cold calling. So you hate cold calling. And yeah. I want to bring this up because like, you're in a way looking forward to cold calling, Yeah. but you hate it. Yeah. So I like, I still get a rush today. Mm-hmm. When I get to the close, I get butterflies, I get the, the bubble guts, <laughs> like I still get it today. Yeah. When that feeling goes away, I will ultimately have to put the phone down. Yeah. But so, I, I love it. So you don't look forward to picking up the phone and calling, but you really enjoy the feeling of the, the close, the victory. I, I like the whole, I like, so I, I, I preach the one uh, five step, my five-step sales process, it's intro, uh, fact, find, pitch, quote, close. Mm. I love all of it. All right, so for everyone that's listening, let's dive a little deeper into each of the five steps. Yeah. So the intro. Yep. Let's talk about the intro. Quick and simple. Mm -hmm. You want to know who they are, who you are, the point of the phone call, and you want to set expectations, mm -hmm. right? And what I on the intro am trying to get people to do, because as we all know, these are not one call closes. Right. So we put- Unless a, I'm on it. Unless Tony's <laughs> on it, right? <laughs> so in the beginning, what I like to do every single time is I like to get the seller to grab a pen and a paper and start jotting information down. Mm -hmm. Because nobody else in the industry from what I'm seeing is even doing that, Correct. where I want them to know the name of my company, I want them to know my name, I want them to have my phone number. So I, in our intro, and everyone in our office that's 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 uh, pitching a lead, good lead or bad lead, because we don't know until we qualify it, the very beginning of the phone call, they're getting them engaged, saying, can you grab a pen and paper real quick and jot all my information down? So one, that's the intro. Mm -hmm. That Can you... Role play or, or say it? Yeah, hey, Steve. Yeah. Hey, Steve, this is Eric with TLC Homebuyers. How you doing today? Uh, doing all right. Awesome. Ray, I catch you at a good time? Um, I got a minute. Awesome. So, again, my name's Eric with TLC Homebuyers. Looks like your property was referred to us by one of our referral companies. They thought we'd be a good fit for one another. So what I'm going to do today, it's just real simple. going to ask you a few questions about the property, see whether or not it qualifies to be put into our portfolio. Okay. Sound good? Sure. By the end of this phone call, Steve, I can promise you one of two things. We're either going to say, yes, it's approved, and I'll have an offer, mm -hmm. or I'm going to say it was uh, disqualified, and I'm going to have a reason. 
Okay. Okay. We can't buy every property, Steve. We come across a lot of them. So we are a little picky and we pick and choose what we're going to bring into our portfolio. You, uh, you grab a pen and paper real quick. I'm just going to have you jot some, jot some information down. Yeah, I can grab one. Cool. I go ahead, give them my first name, last name, name of the company. And then when we give them the, our phone number, we say at the end of the phone number, we say, just so I know you have that, right? Can you repeat the phone number? Why do we do that? It's because you can remember my name. You can remember the name of the company. But when I give you the phone number, I know you didn't memorize that. Mm -hmm. So what I'm, the reason I'm asking them to repeat that is to see if they're actually doing what I'm saying yeah. or asking them to do. Are they really engaged with the conversation? Right. Yeah, no, you can test to see if they're yeah. really serious. Yep. yep. Got it. Okay, so that's the intro. Intro. What's step two? Fact find. All right. Reason they're on the phone. So we, I, we have a, a rule in our office. It's the 10-minute rule. You can't terminate a lead unless you've been on the phone with them for 10 minutes. We get a lot of leads, but we don't get enough to where we can't spend 10 minutes with somebody. Right. So the, the fact find is, I see that you were looking to sell because you're done being a landlord, Steve. Uh, how did you come across that information? Uh, according to the referral company that you chatted with, mm -hmm. that's what you told them. All of our leads come from their, uh, a cold call company. Mm -hmm. So we have, I'd say 50, 60% of the time, a motivation for it. Got it. So that's the reason I'm okay. saying this. Yeah. Um, so the, the reason I even bring up, looks like you're not wanting to be a landlord. So what we do is we bring up the fact, looks like you don't want to be a landlord anymore because it was in the reason, right? Mm -hmm. So we bring that up. We parlay that into a third-party story. Like, listen, the last two people that I helped out of their timeshare, very similar story. They had a granddaughter that had been living in the property. It's just showing that, hey, we've dealt, with this. We've dealt with this before. And then we, we come back to them to hopefully they'll open up of, it's not just I don't want to be a landlord. What's behind that? Mm -hmm. So what's, what's the real pain? Why don't you want to be a landlord? And I like the fact that you paused and you just waited. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's fact finding. Fact find. And then? And then from fact find, once they know who we are, we know who they are. We've gotten on common ground, right? Um, we understand their situation a little bit more. Then from uh, fact find to pitch, which pitch is where we talk about the house. Mm -hmm. I will ask... Um, if there's not a, uh, asking, if there's an asking price on our lead, I try not to bring it up. I want to hear what they say. And the reason I say that is, um, I'm a firm believer that the hardest part about our job is the phone calls they got prior to them picking the phone up for me. Oh yeah. And I know if I can put them through an experience they have not went through yet, a structured phone call, um, I already got a leg up on most of my competition. Yeah. So we go from uh, intro, fact find, and then before we go into pitch, we try to get a price out of them. By this time, we've been on the phone with them for like 10 minutes or so. And it's, hey, Mr. Seller, in the event we can get to a number that makes sense for both of us, where do you think you would have to be? And then, nah, it's none of your business. <laughs> Completely understand. Usually I like to see where you're at for a price point. Ultimately, I'm gonna go back and they're gonna give me a number. This isn't like a traditional real estate transaction. I'm actually working with you, mm -hmm. right? It's me and you against them in the back. So if you have a number, we can at least jot it down. I can kind of see where they're at. 
ah, it's none of your business. I want you to give me an offer. Cool. I just let it go. Then we go into the house. What, what we do again, we're trying to do what our competition isn't willing to do. And what do I mean by that? The questions they have answered a hundred times over is what's the age of your roof? What's the age of the AC? And what upgrades have you done? Yeah. They've answered it a hundred times. So we, what we do is we start outside. Tell us a little bit about the neighborhood. Kid friendly, house to the uh, left of you, to the right of you, across the street. Are these rentals? Are they owner occupied? How do you feel about your neighbors? You got any electrical lines hanging up in the, uh, you on a double yellow line. So we're trying to get them to talk about the neighborhood. Is it kid friendly? Um, any vacant homes? Obviously we slide in the roof AC, but we try to like do that at the end. Mm -hmm. Cause for us, it's, if they say it's heavy rental, mm, let me put that into my system. I'm not sure that we're taking any more properties that are heavy rental markets. Mm -hmm. This is for a fix and flip. Cause at the beginning, I said, we're gonna qualify right. your property. So we go into the whole pitch uh, and then we go inside the house. Um, we use the line, if you get a, a 20, 30, $40,000 check, what would you spend it on? Um, and then at the end of the pit or at the end of the, the, the pitch for the house, we always put every seller on two holds. So it's, hey, appreciate giving me all the information. What I'm going to do real quick is I'm just going to run back to the underwriters and see if where they're at, you know, they're going to tell me one of two things. Yes, we'll take it or no, we won't take it. Mm -hmm. So I'm either going to have a number for you or a reason. Mm -hmm. And so we put them on hold. Why do we put them on hold? We mute our phone and they're going to have a conversation they wouldn't have with you on the phone. Yeah. Was your wife there? No, she's at work. As soon as you put them on hold, honey, get out here. They're getting ready to quote us. The wife's there. <laughs> How much do you want for your house? I want to hear you first. You put them on hold. If they can give us 150, are we going to do the deal? Yeah. You got a number out of them. Right. So we go back. We start running our numbers, right? Do whatever you got to do for that. We do uh, two, three minute holds. So we're on hold. They're on hold for a total of six minutes. Someone's sitting on hold for six minutes. They're interested. They're committed. They're committed. Yeah. If they've grabbed a pen and paper, they wrote all your information down, they can repeat a phone number, they sit on hold for six minutes, I have a motivated seller on the phone. Right. Um, so we put them on hold, we come back, mm, they're in or, uh, we don't even say they're in or say, I don't have good news or bad news. They actually have more questions about the property. Mm -hmm. So we always ask the same three questions. You save, save three questions in your, in your pocket, right? So you can pull them out. What are they? Foundation, AC, windows. That's three. They say, uh, let's say the house is 1985. And you ask about the windows. Are they original? And you come up, this is on your, uh, coming back from your first hole. And they say, uh, windows are original. Mm, I don't know. Let me put that in the system. Mm -hmm. So you start typing, right? They can hear your fingers type. I'm just letting them know in the back office. So then uh, we say, is there anything else that you think they should know? No, all right, boom, put them on another hold. You sit there for three minutes and listen. And the, the holds are because you're gonna be a fly on the wall they don't know is there. Mm -hmm. The holds have been so powerful for us where, and, and this is just one, one instance, right? Where I had them on hold. What I was going to offer them on the second hold 
the wife and husband were praying for a number that was $30,000 less than I was going to quote. Yeah. So the second hole, I made 30, 30 additional thousand dollars. So we get back on. Congratulations. It's the first property they've approved for me all week or all month or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I, we sell the sizzle, not the steak. Right. So it's, uh, it's Hollywood every time it's action. So, and then what we do, and I'm giving a lot of free game out here right now. So I usually charge for this stuff, uh, is every property that we get approved. We say, Hey, I want you to grab your pen and paper real quick. Cause they have, they've given me a virtual withdrawal number. Mm -hmm. Eric, what's the virtual withdrawal number? They've already moved the funds to another account for you. So it's attached to this number. What we do is we, we can use that for urgency in the end of, mm -hmm. Hey, if they say no, let me think about it, whatever. It, cause then now we we're into the close. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, well, listen, I'm one of 15 acquisition managers on the phone. When they approve an offer, these funds are sitting here and it is attached to this, this virtual withdrawal number. So we'll, if you got to think about it, should I just tell the, the underwriters to push that money back? That way the company can have access to it again. And it, it you get to gauge their level of interest. Yeah. So, um, and then listen, it's either yes or no, and then follow up and all that. So, and I will tell you, Steve, that is the script that I came up with. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing script. So you talk about sales, yeah, having a, an assembly line yeah. and then the mindset. Yeah. And I think you definitely demolish it on sales. So, and the reason why, you know, I'm, I, I'm with you, like sales is the most important thing. Obviously, right. I teach sales. Of course. I think what people, so you've been in business for two years now. Right on this model, no, one only year. one year. One year. So yeah. for us, right? Like I've been doing this for some time. Yeah. Like ten years ago, you didn't need to be good at sales. Right. right. You just needed a pulse. Right. You're an right. order could, taker. Yeah. If you can find the guy that's got pain. Yeah. <laughs> you hit the jackpot right. every single time. Right? right. But now everyone has is pulling the same list, same data, skip tracing predominantly with the same three companies. Yep. Right? Like we're all going after the same people. And the only thing that separates us today is sales. I agree. And it's obvious. You're passionate about it. Yeah. Right. So you're crushing sales. So yeah. I think we were able to answer that question, right? How are you able to do a million, two million yeah. in a few months? So everyone that's listening, I think if you just do that, <laughs> you're closing more sales. Yeah. Closing more deals. For sure. Have a have a process that's duplicatable and you do the same thing every call. Yeah. And you don't steer away from it. Even on the bad days, bad weeks, you still stick to it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one thing I want to talk about before we hit everyone else on the, the questions is we were talking about a challenge that you guys were experiencing, an unexpected challenge. Yeah. So you guys packed your bags, you're ready to come out here, <laughs> and you got some unpleasant news. Yeah, I flew out here yesterday. And then, uh, yeah, right when I landed, Eric was already out here. Right when I landed, he texted me, uh, one of our acquisitions managers quit. It's only like, okay. one of them. Well, that, was, that, that was one. <laughs> and I said, okay, all right, that makes sense. You know, they were kind of miserable, you know, whatever. That That's no surprise. Weren't the right culture fit or, or, or yeah, just wasn't the right person for the job. I yeah. Don't wanna, yeah, exactly. I don't want to say bad attitude, but just kind of, you know, um, just a yeah, bad energy in the office. It wasn't a surprise. Wasn't a surprise. No. Okay. Uh, about half an hour later, now I'm like, you know, uh, walking out the airport, ready to, you know, uh, Eric's <laughs> ready to pick me up. 
get another text from him. Another acquisitions manager quit. Then I'm like, what's going on with your department, bro? Because <laughs> my dispo team's strong right now. We need deals. <laughs> but yeah, we had two two closers quit uh, yesterday. Yeah. And what do you attribute that to? <laughs> Leadership. <laughs> just kidding. That's 100% Eric. Yeah, uh, no, just, just well, we, we were talking about it before we, we got on the show, Steve. Yeah. And... You, you know, you had brought something to my attention that I didn't even think about. And so one of them came from making 30-something thousand a year. Mm-hmm. And last month made a significant amount of money. Um, and uh, I, I think it was, I, I don't know. It's the first time that someone goes from making a, a little bit amount of money to making life-changing money in a single month. Yeah. Um, and I forgot what you said, so I, I, I can't. Well, I think, it, yeah, it was super interesting what Steve said because, you know, Steve asked, you know, what's she going to do now? And uh, she's going to, you know, start her own social media type company. Mm-hmm. And Steve said, um, you know, well, maybe she was waiting for the funds to, to yes. fund that. Yeah. yeah. Which made a lot of sense. And we, you know, we were talking to Carlos Reyes yesterday about this, and we were all kind of racking our brain, like, why do people when they make a big hefty check it's this happens a lot um being business owners we see it where right when that employee make that team member makes that big check they quit mm-hmm. you know and we we were talking about it last night with carlos yeah. and uh and then you came came over that great point uh earlier yeah. about yeah what are there maybe waiting on that check to start something else well and you and you know offline we were talking about this like there was moments there's she was fretting like is this going to close is it going to close yeah. right so like this is not like Okay, it's no big deal. Like, she had plans. This was a yeah. massive deal. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing, too, we were talking about was that we talk about the thermometer, you know, and, like, um, there's this thing where our self-image, right, we're, we're only allowed to make a certain amount of money, right? Like, we have, we all have different thermometers. Of course. Obviously, for you, right? Like, you went from zero to eight million or whatever a year. Your thermometer was no limit. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of people out there that like I made forty thousand a year every single year, and I've seen this as you know running sales teams. Like once the guy hits forty thousand by the month of April, and they made forty thousand in the other careers, this is actually bad news for me as a business owner. They checked out. <laughs> they checked out. Mm-hmm. They're no longer hustling. They're no longer doing the activities required to hit their yeah. goal to yeah. hit the, the next figure, right? So they might make sixty thousand this year, right? They might fall into twenty thousand the other remaining eight months. Yeah, and next year they're a sixty thousand a year person. Yeah. And then if they hit 60000 by April, man, like whatever they make the rest of the <laughs> man, year. It's, it's so funny while you're saying that, Steve. I have a couple buddies that are in like outside sales for different type of industries. And two of my buddies um, that hit their quota uh, last year, they hit it really early. And both of them were exactly like that. Like, yeah. man, I could just chill the last six months. It sucks. It's like, well, you could. Or, or you could double your income. Double your income. Yeah. yeah. So there's two different mindsets. Is one is like, uh, I can't make more because my whole life this is who I am. This is my identity, right? You were saying like this is your identity was that business. Yeah. Forty thousand a year is my identity. Like this is my circle. This is why we talk about who you choose as friends is important. Everyone else makes forty thousand a year. I made forty thousand a year my whole life. I can't make more. Like it was screw up my identity. Yeah. And you got weirdos like us because we're the weirdos. Mm-hmm. Like okay, well I made forty thousand this month. What can I make next month? Yeah. Right. right. I'm gonna make a million dollars this year. Yeah. Let's yeah. Try. Right. Like let's go for it. And but we're. We're the crazy ones. We're crazy. Yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that real quick. And then before, again, we go into the questions, 
Uh, you mentioned that you did a 125K deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to shout out uh, Robert Wensley on this podcast because he told me to. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> but yeah, so um, kind of when I was coming up with a, a disposition process, um, you know, I started in May. Um, I disposed my first deal um, like June 9th or something. And that was like a $45,000 assignment fee. That was my first deal. <laughs> so um, the guy locks up his first phone deal. Yeah. <laughs> his first, first disco deal is 45 k You found the right guy. Yeah, I'm <laughs> telling you, man. I'm uh, telling you. But, uh, his numbers are out of control <laughs> without knowing a thing about Dispo. And he'll tell you, but his numbers are out of control. Uh, so um, so I, I started coming up with a process. And um, and then uh, we went to an all-in event of Car- Carlos Reyes' all-in event. Met a couple guys on uh, the cartel level of Investor Lift there, and they were kind of pitching me on Investor Lift, and uh, we pulled the trigger on that in um, August. So just got the the base level, um, started implementing that in our in our process in our dispo process of pulling God mode data and mass texting, and anybody who texts back, we would get on the phones, vet them, and put them on our buyers list. So that was part of our process. We love the platform because um, it's just easy to make a really nice listing and send it out on there as well, email, text. Um, So we started using that, and um, I put together a really nice listing in uh, Goodlettsville, Tennessee. And this was a really unique property, uh, countryside barn home from like 1890 or something. Um, huge rehab, but just such a cool property. We hired um, a photographer to go out there, do aerial footage, all this stuff. It was a badass listing. Yeah. yeah it was a cool listing. You're treating it, like an MLS deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we did a, a Matterport walkthrough, aerial, everything, video walkthrough. And um, I, I, put, I sent that out. A couple of cartel guys got it. And then they started posting it on the Investor Lift Facebook. Uh, and they're like, man, this this listing is awesome. Who put this together? And then Robert gave me a, a call, called me on my cell phone after that. And he's like, man, he's like, what, what kind of number? You guys are doing pretty decent numbers. How long have you been doing this? I was like, just since May. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you guys are probably going to do 100 grand this month. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right. He's like, you want to do like a million a month? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I can help you do that. And I was like, okay. And he's like, let's jump on a Zoom. Um, so we z- jumped on a zoom call and he pitched us and, uh, he's like, let me give you a cartel level for 30 days and see how you do with it. Um, uh, by October we dispoed, uh, 485,000 that month. Yeah. Um, but in yeah. one of the reasons was we locked up a deal. It was a PPC lead, which we don't even market to Washington. Um, but a lady in Ohio got this, uh, filled out a form on Google And Eric called, um, she had a brother in, uh, Algona, Washington, um, who was kind of a hoarder and not functional. He was out of his mind. Out of his mind. He was living like, there was like raccoons living in his house. Um, uh, and, uh, so, um, Eric, you know, made that pitch and we locked this deal up and, uh, we started looking at this deal, me and Eric that night after we locked it up and we're like, man, this is a cool little area. Like these houses are all the same in this little Valley and they're selling for, you know, 480, 500 grand. This is like the last house in that neighborhood that hasn't been flipped. Um, and because we had cartel level, um, you know, we, we threw it out there. I had no buyers in Washington. I'd never even been there. We had no clue where it was at. We didn't even know where it was. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we get the pictures back a couple days later. I send the deal out. 
Um, it, we locked it up for 165, sent it out for 290 or something like that. Yeah, um, I forget the numbers, but it was but, good. Uh, but send it out, and I had like four full-price offers like within 24 hours. And, so, and got to a sign that we made 125 grand on that assignment. A buck and a quarter. Yeah. Selling to a list. People you didn't even know. People I didn't know. So Investor Lift. Investor yeah. Lift has so. been incredible. And, and Robert's been great. He always reaches out, um, super supportive. He gave me a ton of confidence in the beginning. Like, you guys can do this. Always available for a phone call, jumping on a Zoom. Um, yeah, it's super solid guy. Yeah. So real quick, disruptors for 10% off. All right. So before we jump into the questions, uh, if you guys need help in sales, we do have our sales training this month. Actually, it's going to be in two weeks. So if you guys are interested, go to disruptors.com slash sales disruptors. Our sales process is not like Eric's. It's different. Um, not that there's anything like not comparing. I'm just saying nope. it's just completely different. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to have a consistent sales process, I'd uh, love to have you guys uh in our office, we spend a day and a half going over our sales process. All right, so let's jump into the questions. Uh, first question, this is from YouTube. Let's experiment. How do you, Tony, and Shyla ensure a happy, fair partnership? Sounds like he knows you because he knew your wife's name before you guys even started. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I look at Shyla as my stepwife. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll just say... Um, like me and Eric can be, I mean, we have similar personalities. We're, you know, gunslingers, closers. Um, it's Shiloh that kind of keeps our, yeah. our, our, our team together for yeah. sure. Uh, listen, we all respect one another. And that's, that's really what it comes down to is uh, I respect Tony. Uh, I feel Tony respects me. We both respect our uh, our wife. Our wife. <laughs> <laughs> we both respect our wife. Mm. So um, it comes down to respect, man. And, and we all work really, really hard. Mm -hmm. um, like there's not one of us that uh, doesn't put in uh, the effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. It feels so, like a family. We've known each other forever too. Is there anything you guys do actively? Because I, I think there are a lot of people that go in there like it's a family and they treat each other with you know respect or so on. Like, I think that's kind of like the bare minimum for most people in a partnership. Is there anything you guys do actively to ensure that the partnership is healthy? Well, as far as like masterminds stuff like that, I mean, uh, we got an operating agreement. We got like all that. But is there like you know intentional meetings? Is there any? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we have meetings every week, the three of us, and meetings with our teams, and and a whole and a meeting every morning with the entire team. Um, but we truly are best friends and family, so we do a lot of stuff together. Yeah, and you know we try to not bombard each other with with work stuff outside of work, but we do meet up sometimes, like at Eric and Shiloh's house, and we'll just three of us will mastermind for an hour and a half and cook dinner and watch mm -hmm. the UFC fights or. Whatever. So, I mean, you know, a lot of people say they're family, they're friends, you know, all that, but we truly are. And yeah. we do a lot of stuff together. And we're all very open and honest. And yeah. we've been like that forever. We can tell each other literally everything. I can tell there's no filters. There's yeah. zero filters. It's great. Yeah. And it's, and that really helps because you're, you know, if there's ever anything, you don't want anything to eat away at you yep. either because that can just cause, um, it can disrupt the, the team. So if anybody's feeling one way or the other, they'll bring it up, you know, and we'll squash it right there. Come up with a solution. I'm sorry you feel that way. I understand why you feel that way. Let me fix it or let you yeah. fix it, whatever. Yeah. We, we're very open about everything. Yeah, that's huge. 
Uh, so, Chad on Instagram, you asked a question about why getting out of a paid note. I don't understand the question, so if you can please ask it another way. Uh, YouTube, I got NCAL, some feedback on what deciding what the best markets to target and what tools, filters to pull this. So, you guys are obviously in Raleigh. You moved straight to Raleigh to do Raleigh. No, we didn't move there. My wife picked for Raleigh. Oh, okay. But how did you guys decide what market to target? That's a, that's a Shiloh question for sure, but we keep it this really simple, Steve. Um, we say, hey, we're gonna go to, uh, we're gonna pull data in Atlanta. Shiloh, we tell her, hey, let's go to Atlanta. She pulls data. We like, we do not overthink this model. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we keep this super. The whole kiss, keep it simple, stupid. We we kiss this model to a T. Uh, where are you guys pulling lists? List source. Yeah, that's all we've ever used. Um, you know, people. That's shocking to me. Yeah, we've just never used another like. Day that's one? awesome. That's awesome. By the way, I'm just saying that's shocking. Okay, why is Help it shocking? Us. To why you? feedback? Well, it's just most people are using you know other lists. So I'm just, like list source has been around forever, right? Mm -hmm. Like I mean, Sean Terry I think's been talking about it forever, like over ten years. So, uh, you know, the people are talking about like PropStream or you know we use uh, Audantic Investor Machine. Like there's all sorts of different lists. Yeah, you know, so it's shocking to me that you guys are using list source, but it's awesome. Right? It's a testament, actually. I would say to your sales skills. Okay. That. Why well, is there better list up? Say something, Steve. Are you hiding something? No, I was saying like we <laughs> oh. use different. We use okay. different list source, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, I think it's great that you're making list source, which is more commonly available, and making it work. Yeah. I think okay. It's admirable. Cool. Understood. Yeah. We've never pulled a lead from anywhere else. Yeah. That's fantastic. And f and for eleven uh, months, Steve, we only pulled absentee owner data. When yeah. we would pull all of the absentee owner data in Atlanta, boom, we jump into another market. Yeah. Uh, and then, so are you, most of your deals in North Car Carolina? This is from Joel. No. Uh, well, I would say our so just full transparency. Our two biggest markets are Atlanta and Charlotte. Um, I mean, we would you know like there's banger markets like. Um, you know, Raleigh's a great market. We just don't get a ton of deals in Raleigh. It's a smaller market. But when you do get a deal there, it's a good deal. Juicy deal. Juicy deal. Same with, like, we would love to get more deals in Nashville, you know, but we just don't for one reason or the other. But when we do get a deal in Nashville, it's a good deal. But of course. our biggest flow is going to be Atlanta and Charlotte. Those have been, you know, neck and neck. You know, we'll, we'll close, you know, five deals in Atlanta, six deals in Charlotte, like, almost every month. And a uh, follow-up question from Joel is, how do you guys feel about Florida? Great. Love Florida. Yeah, Jacksonville, Tampa. Yeah. Yep, great market. Uh, on YouTube as well, Luis, uh, do you set yourself in a special mindset or scenario when negotiating with Southern? Because you kind of mentioned how important mindset is. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you do to get in the right mindset? To nego I mean, at, at this we're negotiating on every single phone call. Uh, we try not to let them go without negotiating the deal. Um, so as far as a mindset, I mean, one, just being confident in, in, in who you are and your numbers. Um, and if you've done step one, two, three, and four, right, the close should should honestly be the easiest part. Yeah. Because at this point, they're negotiating with someone they like, trust, and want to do business with. And uh, it's all a matter of you moving the needle, them moving the needle, and hoping to get to a number that works for you. Right. Yeah, sorry. Ahead, no, no. Uh, uh, so I'll add to just because it r reminded me um, when I did close that first deal that I called mm -hmm. um, like that's why mindset's so important the night before um, that happened 
I just was like meditating and thinking and I, I went to bed that night and slept a full eight hours knowing I was going to close a deal that next day. And then yeah. I woke up as calm as could be. I was like, I'm just going to go to the office and close the deal. Like my mind, I, there was just no way I wasn't going to close a deal. Yeah. So, I mean, mindset is so important every single day. Yeah. You know, phone call, to phone call or every day, you know, I have, I think Eric does too. Like I write goals and and mindset stuff on my bathroom mirror with a dry erase marker and i read it out loud every single morning yeah so talking about mindset you know uh there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance yes right so you're saying like i'm gonna go and close a deal tomorrow for people that are listening how do they get in that right right mindset with confidence and not boastfulness or so on Mm. quick wins Right. I mean, uh, have have little goals and it's crazy and as stupid as this may sound. Something I started doing years ago is I get up every single morning and I make my bed Mm -hmm. like that's a quick win for me. I get to leave my bedroom. I see a nicely made bed. Um, Whether you jot down uh, like you're going to do something throughout that day, like quick wins, confidence boosters, I call them. Uh, but as Tony said, uh, one of the best investments I've ever made, and I'm sure he can and say the same thing, is you go to Walmart, Target, wherever, buy a black dry eraser marker, and you start putting that stuff on your mirror. You wake every mor- up every morning, you're brushing your teeth, you got to look at it. You're doing your hair, you got to look at it. You go to bed, you brush your teeth before you get- go to bed, you got to look at all your goals. At some, it- it's that, what is that, subconscious. Mm-hmm. It- you're programming your subconscious. It's going to happen, like... I, I tell this all the time. There's not one thing I've put on my mirror that has not come true. And that, it, when I say, it, one of them may have been up there for six months, two years, three years, but everything has come true. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Pareto wants to know, uh, what numbers do you hold your acquisitions to? Calls, contacts, offers mm. made, ten, like which of those numbers do you? Great question. Yeah, I like that question a lot. So this is what we live and die by in our office. 50 to 70 dials a day. They have to have three to four hours of talk time a day, and they got to make three to five offers a day. If they hit those every single day, I'm happy with the performance. And these are guys that are in your office? Yeah, in-house. In-house. Yep. Got it. And with those KPIs that we track, um, each one of – so each seat in our acquisitions department – is good for seven to 10 locked up contracts per month uh, with a projected profit of anywhere between 250 to almost 300,000. Because yeah. we, we had three up until yesterday and every single month for the last five, six months, we've broke over a million in projected profit. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, uh, Dean McCall, what is a big enough number to check that results in an employee leaving? So. We talked about that gal. She did 18K in a month. Yeah. What other scenarios have you guys ran into where you've seen big checks and people leaving? It, I'm gonna, that's the first time I've that's ever dealt with time, it. That's the first time, yeah. So our answer is 18K. Yeah. <laughs> I've never dealt with that before. Yeah. So for you guys, it's it's new. But yeah. for the rest of us, I mean, I, I've seen it consistently, right? If it's more than 18, 20,000. And we're not saying that every time someone makes his money, they leave you, right? It's that it could be the kind of the beginning Right, either they're gonna like this is too much money, and I want to do something different, or you know, Eric, thanks for everything. 
I'm going to compete against you now. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, that, those are the two different things that happen when people cash big checks. Was, I wish it was more common to cash big checks and like, thank you, Eric, for helping me get to this level. I'm going to support and work with you forever. I wish that was the case. That my is credit card debt paid for. My car just got paid for. Peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and that happens a lot. It's unfortunate, but it's the reality, right? It is. And yeah. I think another thing, too, is like the people that we attract in sales are also the kind of people that are business owners. Like personality profiles. Right. Your person is willing to do sales. You're willing to hit the phones. You get punched in the mouth all day. Yeah. You're also the kind of person that likes to start a business. So right, there's yeah. a reason why people yeah. we train become our competitors. Yep. Um, and then do you have an onboarding process uh, from Daniel Pareto? Yeah. For acquisitions? Yep. Yep. So first company, they obviously fill out all the paperwork, NDAs, not whatever the, my wife has them signed. <laughs> um, and then uh, we go over company culture, mindset, uh, tips for success. Uh, and this is for being on the phones and trying to pound phones all day. Um, after that, I put them through my five-step sales process training. We deep dive into it. Script training. We do recording training. Um, and then I'll either let them listen to me pitch or I let them listen to one of our other acquisition managers pitch, our only acquisition manager now <laughs> pitch. So, uh, And then after that, they I, I literally give them our script. So our script, someone can sit at a desk with a headset call lead and our script is so detailed from hello to goodbye they can lock a deal up mm-hmm. it's a four-page script as long as they read it they can get a deal yeah um so i'll i'll put them at a desk and give them the script i'll put them in some older leads and i don't pay attention to them for the rest of the day i act like they're not even there one, it's letting them get the marbles out of their mouth. I don't want them to feel pressure. I let them know I'm not paying attention to you today. And then the following day, we'll pull recordings of that previous day. And it's really just letting them know, hey, this is what the script says. Here you were off. Here you were off. Get back to the script. Um, and then I'll correct them, cheer them on, throw them back on the phones. Again, I don't pay attention to them for the rest of the day. And uh, we'll just repeat that cycle. And then um, after like two, three days of doing that, I'll throw them on the, the fresh leads. Um, so this is completely off topic, right? But I watched this movie on Netflix. Uh, Sorry to bother you. Have you seen it? I have no. not. Mm-mm. So it's a movie about cold calling and telemarketing. Really? I think you would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to watch it. But the, 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 the motto everywhere in the building, right? Because it's, it's a cheesy take on cold calling. Was, yeah. Stick to the script. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. That's it. 100%. That's the mantra. Like they end every meeting with "stick to the script." Yeah. Um, so, for you guys interested in geeking out in sales, uh, that's a movie for you. Dark comedy. <laughs> um, so on YouTube, Daniel, books that have changed your life. So for each of you guys, I'll start with Tony. Um, yeah, this one might be a surprise, but uh, "Untethered Soul" is a really good book. Kind of a mindset book that I read kind of at a dark time in my life Mm -hmm. and I'll still reread that book, um, you know, every two years or something, but that kind of got the negativity out of my head of just like treating the voice in your head. Like if that was a person in real life, 
that's giving you all this bad advice and all this negativity, you wouldn't be friends with that person. So treating that voice in your head that's always negative or always, you know, telling you you can't do something or this is going to be a problem if you do this, if you treat that like it's a person in real life and have a conversation with it and, um, you know, kind of disown that that friendship with it and and listen to yourself, um, that's what that book taught me. That's amazing. And uh, we had Joe Dillon on the show a couple of years ago, and he said the same thing. Like, that book, like, yeah, it was a total mind... Uh, game changing for his mindset. Yes. And the willing to forgive himself yes. was the big thing yes. in that book. Yeah, for sure. Great book. How about yourself? I'm I'm gonna say 10x, man. As cheesy as that may sound. <laughs> so and, and and this is the reason why. I'm 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 still not on the I, well, I'm not gonna say I'm not on the cardone bandwagon. Um it allowed me I was never a goal setter. Mm-hmm. Ever. Um, and finally setting goals has, has literally changed my life. Um, I put something out there and now I have to go get it. Yeah. So, uh, and I will, you know, they say he, he, Grant will say set goals so big, other people think you're crazy or that it, it makes you nervous. And, um, I, I truly do those kind of things. Um, so is 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 G- I'm gonna go with the 10x man, my boy Grant. Uh, Shyla, yeah, wants to know what do you do to recharge and stay motivated. Go ahead. She must be talking to you, Tony. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm just like a very structured person, and like I wake up every morning and I run the stairs. I take an ice cold shower. Um, that recharges me for the day. Um, even going to the gym, going mountain biking, go. I have a uh, off-road race truck out in San Diego. Like going off-roading and doing something extreme where it, you can't help but think of anything but what you're doing. Like you're not thinking of work or problems mm. or anything. Like when I'm mountain biking and I'm I'm doing downhill or I'm in the middle of Mexico, you know, going 70 through the desert. <clears throat> um, it's just such a recharge because you're not thinking of anything but exactly what you're doing in that moment. And I do, you know, I can't do that every day, but, you know, running stairs in the morning, it's the same type of thing. And taking an ice cold shower every morning is the same type of thing because the only thing you're thinking about in that ice cold shower is this sucks and yeah. I want to get out of this. So yeah. um, that's what I do. So you can't avoid this question. I'm so. not going to avoid it. I was messing with her. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my wife. It's our <laughs> wife asking this. So um, one is me and my wife love going to the mountains. We uh, go to Banner Elk, North Carolina. There's a private community up there, Eagle's Nest. When I go up there, I literally feel like the world's left behind me. And then um, with us moving to North Carolina, I was in South Florida for 12 years. And one thing I did a lot of as a little kid was I was, I was big into snowboarding. And when I got into drugs and all that, I left all, I, I left passions behind me, right? Or things that I really enjoyed. So we just moved to uh, Raleigh and the mountains are three hours away. And this year I was able to, Tony and I went, but I was able to jump on a snowboard again. And, uh, just the last time we went, it was like he, he says, your, your mind's on nothing but that. Like when I'm going down a, a, a slope on a snowboard, the literally, I can't think of anything else. I'm, I'm at peace and I'm doing what I absolutely love. 
Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's the mountains. And obviously, honey, you're in the mountains with me. <laughs> uh, so I definitely do love snowboarding. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Mountain biking, I'll never do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a plug here. Milton Flores, does Eric have any trainings coming up? Yes. <laughs> All right. And you can talk about it. I, I'm going to respect your show, man. <laughs> uh, so on uh, Facebook, Alexis, uh, how often do you market to the same list? Oh, man. Steve, I don't know. You'd have to ask our cold caller company. <laughs> um, Literally, don't know. So I guess then a, a follow-up question then would be, who are you using for cold calling? Yeah, CRI, uh, my boy Kareem. Oh, cool. Yeah, we've been been with him since day one. Since day one. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then same question. You might be able to answer is how often do you pull this? Uh, God, almost every month, month and a half. Pretty much every month, yeah. Yeah, we pull 10,000 records per cold caller every month. So, yeah, we're pulling, you know, 200,000 records a month. Um. And that, but that's a problem that we had because for the first 12, uh, 11 months, we did nothing but absentee owner data. Mm-hmm. And now we're at a point where we've had to step out of our comfort zone and buy word for the first time buying other lists. Right. Which for us, it's like, man, is the data still going to be this good? So maybe, maybe, may not be, or you can just kind of tweak your script. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I think, I mean, for us, we don't really change our script very much depending on the lead source. Uh, we I'd like might, to know what you mean by that. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter who we're calling, right? We're just like, you know, just saw that property, probably not interested in selling it. Gotcha, yeah. Like, gotcha. it doesn't matter what, what the lead source is now. You know, they're uh, fighting us and like, no, there's no reason why we'd ever sell it. Like, okay, I, just, I was just kind of confused. You know, I saw this on the list. Yeah, yeah. You know, I saw that might be coming in foreclosure, but that's mm. probably a mistake. Like, <laughs> we'll allude to it afterwards, but we don't jump in. It's like, hey, I saw your house is in foreclosure. What are you doing with it? Yeah. So. I need to join that training, Steve. Uh, so Abe on YouTube wants to know, how do you pay your acquisition people? Good question. $26,000 base salary. Uh, if they get $50,000 funded in 30 days, they get 8%. Anything over 50000 in that month, we retroactive it to 9%. Nice. And each month is a new month. Cool. So 500 a week. Simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jasmine, well, same question. What's your next sales training? Um, and I'm really not opposed to this. I, I'm abundance, right? I think that yeah. there's, like, I learned literally from everybody I can learn from. Well, except for one person. But um, just about everywhere I can learn from. I, I'm that way, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I'm not a Grant Cardone guy. I'm the yeah. opposite. But I recognize he's had a lot of success. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. I, I'm not opposed to, to I, I'm, I'm the abundance mindset. Yeah. So. It's April 19th. There you go. April 19th. All right. So that's the challenge. <laughs> so you got to go <laughs> jump. You got to fly in between. All right. Um, and then Harvey, uh, do you guys have a disposition process that you guys teach? Yes. Um, that training will be April 27th, I believe. We do one hour a week for three weeks. But Hour yeah. a week for three weeks. Yeah, got definitely it. do that. Yep. Uh, Ricky. It's, Tony's got it dialed in. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ricky Miller, is there a rule of thumb for how many VAs per acquisition person that you guys follow? Five cold callers per closer. And then Agatha, what is your criteria? Or maybe we said absentee, right? Yeah, that's all it has been. Now we're buying owner-occupied, so. Uh, same thing. What are the qualities you're looking for when hiring a closer? Well, from here on out, 
someone that is money motivated. Uh, so we actually had three starting April 18th. Got it. Um, and so I'll tell you what I was looking for in all of these. They are leaving a job that they've been at for more than three years. Um, so I, I think someone that's committed to a company for three years says something. Mm -hmm. And then if they're willing to leave that company to come to us, that's commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so I'm, we're looking for somebody that is, uh, been em employed with somebody for an extended period of time, someone that can sit and have a quality conversation with me during an interview where I don't have to do all the talking. Um, cause I pay attention to that during the interview and I am absolutely looking for somebody that's money motivated. How do you test for that? Huh? How do you test for that? Hi, I, I mean, it's hard, as stupid as it may sound, I'll be like, hey, are you money motivated? Well, another <laughs> thing, too, is asking about their goals. Too. Yeah. Like, what's your goal for, mm. you know, this year, next year, five years from now? Do you have a family? Do you have kids? You know, like, is somebody with a, a family with three kids, like, going to risk going out on their own, or do they just want a steady paycheck? You yeah. Know? The, the one guy that start, is starting with this, his name is Thomas. And he goes, can I pull my phone out and show you something real quick? He, uh, right now, he, uh, for four and a half years, he's been door knocking, selling like uh, pest control stuff. And uh, he's, he's been with him four and a half years. And he's like, there's just no more growth for me. He's making like 65,000 a year, I think. And um, he goes, can I pull my phone out and show you something? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to see what you have to show me. And it was his audio book library. And it was sales sales mindset and i was like dude i'm so glad you showed me this yeah like breath of fresh air right i pulled mine out i'm showing them mine and it was uh so it was it was cool i'm excited for this guy to start yeah so uh there's two things right like there's the there's an omg test that they call it omg right where you they take the test beforehand and it tells you whether in mm. um uh inherently or extra what's the word i'm looking for and, uh, internally motivated or externally motivated, right? Mm -hmm. There's a better term for it, but more or less internally, yeah, yeah. externally motivated. Another thing I would, I would look at is like their their social media or their cars. Yeah. Right? Like if they drove up and... Uh, I couldn't find one of them on social media, which I thought was weird. That is weird. It's getting harder too. Huh? Yeah, we good. have it on our job application. You have to put in your social media. That's a good... Do you really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, if I'm going to take out a... If I'm going to stalk you, I want to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. Sure. Right? Yeah. So, That's smart. That's smart. Um. And then let's see. Moving on. Joshua Ortiz, uh, so what is high level, your disposition process? Disposition process, it's, uh, I mean, I could talk for four hours about it, but um, I'll just, I'll kind of give a breakdown on like our pipe, like our process pipeline. So, you know, we'll get pictures done. Um, of a property, we put together a really nice listing. Title has to have something about the like finances in it, like something about you know equity or spread in the deal. So when an investor is getting this deal, it shows like what they might make or what the spread is on the deal. So we always do that in the title. Um, we'll send the deal out Monday through Thursday in the morning because it gets more clicks than the weekend. Um, we send it out to our VIP buyers first. If they don't want it, we send it out on cartel level. Um, during that process, we're going on prop stream and God mode and manually skipping the LLCs in the neighborhood that have purchased for cash. Um, we're sending out mass text to the God mode and prop stream cash buyer data. If it doesn't sell within a week or two, um, we'll throw it on the MLS. Awesome. 
Uh, and then, Kelly, the movie was Sorry to Bother You on Netflix. Gotcha. Uh, and then last question from Daniel Preto. How are you uh, sourcing acquisition guys? Um, how are we sourcing them? Uh, first round, we got uh, uh, Shiloh, my wife, would have did like your LinkedIn, Job Monsters, whatever it is. Indeed. Indeed. Yep. Um, which got us our first hire. And then the other two came from referrals. He referred one girl, and then she referred another. So we hired one. The, the other two were referred to us. Um, and uh, this go around, I actually met a guy that is a, um, he owns a staffing company. Mm-hmm. I met him at an event, actually, and he wanted to get into wholesaling. And um, he owns a staffing company, and uh, he was like, him and I chopped it up for a little bit at this event, and he was like, dude, I'd, I'd love to help. I told him, the, I'm like, man, I, we want to get more closers in there. And he goes, well, I actually focus solely on filling up call centers. And I was like, Yahtzee. <laughs> and uh, he was like, I'm really good at what I do. I'll get your door swinging. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll give you a shot. And uh, he didn't charge us, like, he didn't charge us anything. Cool cat out of California. And um, he was like, get ready, because when I say I'm going to line interviews up, like, people are going to start walking through your door. Lo and behold, he was like, it's going to start on this day. And he just had a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And people were walking through the door left and right. Yeah. It it was exhausting. And... um, so we went, long story short, this time through a staffing company, but we didn't have to pay for it. Right. That's incredible. So yeah. what is your biggest struggle today? I, I don't know if it's a, well, the biggest thing that we're trying to do that we haven't figured out yet is like, I think it's just our personality, our background, like we're gunslinger, closers, turn and burn, want the quick money. Um, we haven't figured out kind of uh, acquiring properties yet. Um, so that's something that we need to do. And I think a part of that is hiring, you know, real managers in each of our departments to kind of run the day-to-day stuff so we can step out and look at mm-hmm. the bigger picture. Um, I know, like, for I just want to give Michelle and, and on my team a shout-out, our disposition manager. Um, she's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, so somebody, you know, a manager in each uh, department. So me, Eric, and Shyla can um can kind of step out and look at the bigger picture and start acquiring homes or doing flips or you know see what the real end game of this is instead yeah. of just wholesaling yeah uh is there a reason why you can't do that now before you put managers in place no i think it just is no. we were you know we're 11 anyway, i try not to beat ourselves up about this at all um but we're 11 months into this thing and it's just something we haven't learned and tried yet so yeah 11 months in i mean it's it's definitely on the horizon <laughs> we're you guys are the exception. We're still yeah. figuring this out, so, Steve. Yeah. So we'll like, get it. we'll get it. Yeah. But yeah, that's just one thing that's at top of mind. It's it's for us to acquire deals. Yeah. Uh, what is your biggest struggle? Um. Right now, spreading myself too thin. Um, had the acquisitions and started doing some sales training and popping up on other people's. Uh, podcasts or webinars and you know my my wife had said it um, not watering my own grass enough and mm-hmm. worrying about all this other stuff 
So uh, just staying more la- laser focused on things that matter and not being all over the place. So how are you fixing that? Um, well, one, we hired uh, Jasmine to help structure the and get me more organized and, and Tony uh, more organized when it comes to like sales training, dispo training. We were uh, just shooting it off at the hip and trying to make some stuff happen. And we were helping people, but there's a more structured way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, another struggle, Steve, I would say is, for, for me, is the way our office is set up. I don't think it's set up the, the way. I think just by having me closer to our acquisition department, because I'm on, they're on one side of the building, I'm on the other. Even though it's 2,000 square feet, um, I believe if I'm with the team, mm-hmm. we're going to operate at a higher level. Yeah, I believe in the same thing. I think yeah. culture is, is so important. You see these guys like trying to have multiple offices, multiple locations, and it's hard to get st- culture right in one building. It's right. very hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then in the other order, what is your superpower? Good question. I told Tony on the way, I said, what's your superpower, Tony? He goes, I'm going to think about it when Steve asked. <laughs> so uh, I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate m- you being more respectful than Tony. <laughs> <laughs> My, mine is... The ability to allow the underdog to know second chances are real. Yeah. And I think when I speak, uh, I speak very openly about my past. I'm not ashamed of my past. Uh, It's who I am. And uh, the more I talk about it, I truly believe the more lives that I can change. And um, my, you know, one of my goals is to be able to cast my message as far as I can. Mm -hmm. And it's not about making a million dollars. It's about having a second chance and taking full advantage of it. Yeah, and I think that's a powerful message. I mean, if, uh, you know, we haven't really had these conversations a lot, but, you know, we have back-to-back right between Shane and you guys. So, yeah. and, and I believe that message wholeheartedly. Yep. Yeah. So um, I have thought about my superpower, and I really think just discipline and consistency go hand-in-hand, mm. hand, and that's been um, kind of the formula for my success. Um, in my past, I was very consistent uh, about being a dirtbag, and that's exactly <laughs> where my life led. Uh, um, I was hanging out with the wrong people. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a very disciplined person, and with discipline comes consistency. And for me, it's doing, you know, waking up, doing the same thing every morning and just getting into my routine, going to work, doing, you know, trusting the process and just uh and just being consistent about it and you know people have this false sense of people who are super disciplined like i always bring it back to like the gym and and working out and it's like man i wish i i wanted to work out every day and it's like you think i want to work out every day i wake up i don't want to run the stairs i don't want to take a cold shower i don't want to go to work every single day you know and it's discipline that makes you do those things. And if you're disciplined, you, you're consistent, and the results will come. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I learned somewhere, right? Discipline is... Equals uh, freedom. Well, it's getting yourself to do something that you committed to when you were excited that you're no longer excited about, but you're yeah. still doing it. Great point, yeah. Uh, and, like, I hate working out. Sure. Like, every time I was, my, my personal trainer thinks renewal is like, do I want to... Renew this? Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if I want to renew this. This dude is super disciplined. <laughs> He's been eating the same breakfast for 30 years. <laughs> I mean, he radiates discipline. I can I see do. this guy. He just <laughs> radiates discipline. Uh, what is the greatest lesson you learned, Tony? Greatest lesson I learned, um, 
man, it's hard not to say people deserve a second chance after Eric just said it, but um, you know, I really do think that's a that's an important lesson is you know, we ju- you know, as humans we just judge people naturally. People say, "Oh, don't judge that person." It's like I mean, that's just human nature. We judge everybody. It's okay to judge people. But Telling that we judge them, we judge them in like less than a second. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. that's just human nature. That's just who we are. Yeah. Like, that's how we survive um, as a species. Exactly. So um, judging is okay, but um, giving people a second chance is, is super important. Um, everybody's got a, a crazy story. You know, if, everybody's got a crazy family. Everybody's got a crazy story. You know, it's it's, you know, and especially with, you know, this day and age with social media, you just see all the wins, everybody, and all this, you know, highlight. Yep. But everybody's got got problems. You know, we, you know, um, and just to give ju- give people another chance is is super important to me. How about yourself? What was the question? Greatest then? lesson you've learned. Greatest lesson I've learned. Um, some of some of maybe what you think are your biggest failures or losses could be your biggest wins. Yeah. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah. I'm going to go back to, you know, almost losing my life and uh, going through that experience and in the way I look at life today. Um, And then with like my last business, um, I thought it was, you know, we, we, we touched on this yesterday which I haven't talked about here today, uh, is when I was making all that money, Steve, um, and getting ready to sell for all that money, I, I, I was not in a good place in my life. I, I truly believe if I would have sold the company, one, there's a good chance my marriage, I wouldn't be married today. Two, I could have very easily went back to being a full-blown drug addict. So um, I believe everything happened for a reason, and I was I was playing the victim for so long. But I look at it today, and it was an absolute blessing that what happened happened to me. Why do you th- Why do you think that? Um, I went from I was a an ego driven maniac at the peak of um, the success at my. You last needed some business. humility in your life. I needed I needed to be knocked off the the, the top. Yeah. Of what I thought I was at the top, and I was so far from it. Yeah. Uh, what book have you gifted more than any other? Seller Be Sold or 10X. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to buy tons of them and give them out at my office nonstop. Hey, I mean, you were drinking the Kool-Aid, and there's I nothing was, wrong with that. There's not, man. Right? But that's, that's what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I think the more you're committed to something, I think you absolutely should go all in. I'm the kind of person that I'm either all in or I'm all out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think that's respectable. Yeah, I mean, same. My favorite book, Untethered Soul. I've I've gifted that to many people. I think Shyla, actually, um, Eric's wife, our wife, and uh, yeah, a ton of friends. You know, anytime somebody's going through something, I send them that book. Yeah. So I don't normally ask additional questions, but we keep getting questions here in the chat. <laughs> Where did you guys get your shoes? Oh, I bought these I know on Stock X. I know they're looking at those bad boys. Uh, I don't know. I think my wife bought them for me. <laughs> so reach out to Shiloh. Everyone just reach out to Shiloh is the, is the answer here. All right, I want you to think about something you want to leave the listeners with while I make a couple of quick announcements. Guys, if you get value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. I mean, I genuinely am in line with their message, right? Second chances. So please share this because we, we do want more people to hear this message. I think yeah. it's an absolutely critical message. Um, we do have our live sales training in a couple of weeks. If you guys are interested, disruptors.com slash sales disruptors. 
And then we just started our social media starter pack. I had no idea how many people wanted to do what we're doing here. So if you guys are interested in that, I mean, we announced it a couple weeks ago and it's just Is it really? popped off like crazy. Okay. Um, and then next week we got Nathan Payne and Corey Rosam. I'm probably butchering their name. I apologize. Uh, so before we end, last thoughts. I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, we all have it in us. Um, and I'm going to go back to where your feet are today. They don't have to be there tomorrow. Um, if nobody's told you that they believe in you, like this guy right here, and I'm sure the two that I'm sitting with, we believe in you until you can believe in yourself. Not every day is going to be easy, but I tell you, every day will be worth it. Um, coming from somebody that was full of anxiety, scared of the world, hopeless, helpless, damn near homeless. Um, as long as you uh, continue to press forward, put the blinders on, uh, keep pressing forward. Um, when they say go left, go right, um, I can promise you that uh, in time, you ultimately can have a life beyond your wildest dreams. I'm a testament to it, uh, Tony is. And uh, I'll just go back to, man, like, I, I believe in you until you can believe in yourself. It's powerful. Tony? Yeah, and I'll just add on to, to that because Eric beautifully puts puts it that way. Um, you know, the the best thing about the, the past is, like, the most beautiful thing about the past is you, you can't change it. It is what it is. You learn from it. Um, you should be, you know, proud of where you are today because of your past, because you learned from it. And live for today. Tomorrow's not promised. So do what you have to do today to be successful. You know, when, when we talked about discipline earlier and, you know, when people start thinking about, you know, say you're thinking about jumping into wholesaling or jumping into a new business and you have all this fear, it's, you know, everybody's scared, but it takes discipline to, to conquer those fears. And you know, commit to 30 days. Like, mm. you know, a lot of people think so far in the future. Like I always like, I always say live in the present because you start thinking, you start analyzing way in the future, you just get paralysis. So think about what you're going to do today to make tomorrow better. Um, commit to 30 days on something. Don't think past that. And, and hopefully that helps. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Tony, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Yeah, uh, my Instagram, Tony underscore Mont, M-O-N-T, is how you get a hold of me. You can DM me on there. Follow me. Eric? Uh, the Eric Klein. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Steve. My Very pleasure. Much, I shake your hand, but you're all the way over there. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching. See you all next week.